open up your books, you bad apples. This is the part of the this is the part of the show in the beginning when I say Hi listener. This is the Bad Apple Book Club podcast. This is Lucas Nord. And I'm Cole Lang. <laughs> been a while since I did one of those. <laughs> it's been a whole week, but do you know what? This is one of those books where maybe maybe it's a good thing you got a cold. Well, not a good thing that you got a cold, but you know, just but, that we had uh, took a break to fuck, <laughs> to you know wrap our heads around this. I but, had to I had to write this outline out. It took me a collective like twelve hours over the course of like a week. Oh my god! Yeah, and if anyone dares to read this book um gotta say lucas good job we're gonna we're gonna break it down for you guys at home so maybe you guys don't have to read the story (laughs) (laughs) honestly okay so so i know it's kind of funny it's so much easier to listen to the podcast than read the book it's even easier to not listen to the podcast in the first place but um i always like to um you know, read something or, well, I always like to read the book before I watch the movie. I'm that kind of person. You know, I don't want to know anything about anything, but, um, so basically what I'm getting at is like, I understand that people just like to hear what the book is about, or maybe they just like to hear us talk and they aren't particularly interested in reading the book, but you're absolutely right. Um, I don't even know that what I'm going to be reading out over the course of this episode is going to make sense. So just imagine that over, whatever, 150 pages um, and, like, 200 years old. Because this is a tough nut to crack. Yeah, yeah. Not only is there so many open-ended, like, statements in this book and so many ways you can interpret it, but the way it's written like imagine the most sophisticated run-on sentence and that will give you like one chapter um there's four periods in the whole book (laughs) yeah yeah he has very lengthy sentences and it could take a whole page up and but i i do really like uh the story um and the ending, like, I thought I had this book figured out, but the ending just mm-hmm. makes me go, huh, <laughs> I guess not, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> huh. okay, 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 so yeah, everything I've been thinking is completely wrong. <laughs> yep, which is great, which is great. I actually kind of like that. Um, yeah, oh, right, I didn't even, I didn't even personally have the gall to try to, like, figure out where anything was going, because I'm like, oh, okay, so, okay, so now they're, they're doing this. Oh, wow, okay, didn't even know that this was going to be a part of the story. Okay, well, this is going on now. Wow, you know what? It's like a, it's like a real coin toss, but if the coin had a million sides to it? Yeah, exactly. Um, would you mind giving us just, just a brief recap before we dive into the epic finale of the Turn of the Screw? All right, once again... The last episode we recorded of this was two weeks ago from when we're recording this one. So, um, as far as I remember, there's a house. Um, people live in the house. We got our main governess. She's watching these two orphans. 
and her confidant is like a maid named Miss Gross. But what I didn't understand or should what I didn't realize until um, finishing the book off is that there are other people tending all over the house, so they aren't completely alone in there. Yeah. Um, very minor, very minor yeah. characters. Oh, yeah. Um, in the first episode, the governess is thinking about the dreamy uncle that gave her the job in the first place at this big, beautiful old manor. It's too good to be true. She's got these perfect little children, but... Um, our first, uh, ghostly encounter takes place when she's out walking the grounds. As you mentioned, she was thinking about the dreamy uncle when she rounds the corner and sees someone standing on a balcony tower that's only accessible from inside the house. He's a redheaded guy. He looks like an actor, as they say. We're going to come to know this guy as the ghost of Peter Quint, Mm -hmm. the previous, uh, dude running the show before he just died. And then... The kids act a little funny, but we talk about how the governess has blinders on the entire time. She doesn't want to believe that there's anything wrong with them, but they're kind of just empty vessels. They're kind of like, yes, men, whatever. Oh, yes, whatever you say, governess. We love Everything you. is completely fine. Yep, everything's completely fine and perfect. Um, and then, at the end of... Was it that first or second episode when they saw Jezel standing on the... Um, yeah, sure. at the end of the first episode. Okay, I thought so. Uh, so there, yeah, there's a figure, and then in part two, it's revealed that it's Miss Jezel who had a relationship with Old Peter. Yep, she was the previous governess. Who we don't get much information on Peter, but Miss Gross told the new governess that Jezel was the one in her shoes before, and then she just went off on a vacation and died mysteriously. Yeah. Um, which, now that I'm thinking about it, I bet she didn't even go anywhere to die because her apparition still haunts Bly. So, there's something to think about. Mm-hmm. And yeah. eventually, after a whole lot of soul-searching, and eventually, once again, we don't know if the governess is losing her marbles or if the kids are gaslighting her and trying to drive her crazy, but she decides that she's just going to wash her hands of the entire Bly situation until she impulsively goes back to the house and finds the apparition of Miss Jezel in the schoolroom who they look at each other kind of funny and after like a wordless exchange the governess kind of feels that she has no choice but to stick around Bly and that is where we left off yep yep so basically these two ghosts seemingly according to the governess have a connection uh to the kids you know what maybe maybe they do um maybe it's good maybe it's an evil intentions but at the end of the day either way you put it it's really creepy like if she's just imagining these things and she's going insane it's really creepy um or if these are ghosts trying to uh basically possess the children that's that's creepy as well so right Yep. Well, without further ado, shall we get into part three? Yup. Alrighty. Returning back to Bly after her obvious absence, the governess is shocked to find that none of its inhabitants noticed, or, once again, might be gaslighting her, pretending that they didn't notice that she'd actually been away for a prolonged time. 
She corners Gross and asks if she was bribed to silence by the children. Um, and once again, you know, Gross could be like, yes, of course they bribed me. Or she's like, okay, are you really sure that you want to keep doing this job because you're kind of freaking everyone out? Yeah. Um, like it, either, either Miss Gross and the children are kind of in cahoots to like, you know, make the governess feel calm and be like, of course, uh, like she's coming up with all these crazy accusations and they're like, of course, that's, that was the plan. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, 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 of course. Yeah. <laughs> Gross confesses that the children actually um, pretended they didn't notice her being gone just not to upset the governess, um, you know, for whatever reason, once again, but it was a planned thing either way. Yeah. The governess tells Gross that everything is out in the open between her and Miles, and that she's had a chat with Jezel, who spoke of the torments of death and her want for flora. Mmm. So this is really important because we'll recall... When she sees the apparition of Miss Jezel sitting at the desk, I believe she's like writing a letter as well, which is kind of like her projecting that what she wants to do, like writing a letter right. back to the the uncle. Um, but this didn't happen. They didn't have any talk or anything. Uh, they like doesn't the governess like just scream at Jezel or something like that like you pretty much yeah you mi- miserable uh person <laughs> and then yep. uh, miss Jezel's like well you're not wrong um <laughs> and, but you got me there yeah and uh it's interesting with how the government go- governess says like everything is out in the open between her and Miles well, what the, what does that mean like <laughs> does it mean like yeah, right? uh you guys are kissing again or um like there's no more secrets being held who who knows i have no idea right the governess decides to send for the children's uncle the governess stating that she thinks miles is reason for expulsion was quote unquote wickedness that could mean 10 million different things yeah gross okay. takes blame for miles's behavior telling the governess that miles's relationship with quint wasn't miles's fault Gross offers to write to the uncle, but the governess is worried that it's just going to sound like a big crazy story, which it would. Yeah. Now crying, Gross entreats uh, the governess to write the letter, and the governess agreeing parts ways with Gross. Yeah, so like, I don't know, it's almost as if the governess is putting off this letter in a way. Um We've all been there. Yeah, and maybe it'll have consequences in the end. But, uh, yeah, as, as we'll recall, Miles was expelled from school for some heinous act. And the governess, like, she just, she's so obsessed and, like, so curious about what this could be. Because, you know, she wants to be the perfect Victorian lady. Um, and she's like, well, why is this a bad boy, you know? But we, yep. we just don't know and um i wanted to mention earlier too that with um the governess kind of changing up her story about the meeting with miss chesel uh it just even adds more 
wood to the fire saying that our narrator is not too reliable at this point. Right. She's changing And once again, um, she says that everything's out in the open with Miles, but she's been tormenting herself over his reason for expulsion, and it has, uh, up to this point, I don't believe it's even come up between the two at all. Yeah, yeah, and we'll, we'll see some more dialogue with Miles here soon. Right. Later that evening, the governess starts to write her letter. Restless, she creeps into the hallway to listen to Miles' room from the other side of the door when he suddenly calls out for her to enter, saying that he could hear her walking in the hallway. He compares her to, like, an elephant walking down the hallway or something <laughs> yeah, she's like, like that. St- like, yeah, stopping. I heard you coming. Yeah, yep. she's, like, making her presence pretty known. Oh, yeah. Miles inquires as to why the governess has been discussing him, and the governess, she plays dumb. Miles tells her he knows, she knows exactly what he's talking about. No sense in pretending. He's a smart kid, apparently. Yeah. She tells him she's going to send him back to school, but never knew for his desire to return in the first place because he never brought it up at all. He replies, haven't I? And the governess, Shook, replies back that he hasn't mentioned the school at all, and she thought that he was content at Bly. What? Once again, has he not actually mentioned school at all? Did she just kind of brush it off? Yeah, she mentioned it earlier that, um, yeah, Miles is unhappy. He wants to be with his type, whether that right. be boys or could be homosexuals. We we don't know. Um but yeah, he's mentioned uh, like this whole book. Well, not the whole book, but he's made it very clear he's not having a good time because uh, every time he tries to go to sleep, you got the governess. She's just stomping around. She's like, oh, yeah. no funny business, no funny business, mm-hmm. <laughs> like warning all these ghosts and the kids. And it's just like, all right, you're actually the scary one. <laughs> yep. All right, let's let's uh, let's turn the dial down just a few notches. <laughs> you're at an eleven. We need to bring you down to a 10 yeah miles declares that instead of him traveling to his uncles his uncle must return to Bly to settle things once and for all the governess questions miles um on secrets he's kept since his return miles tells her he wants a different environment and the governess embraces him strongly she kisses miles and he tells her to leave him alone She tries again to learn the boy's reason for expulsion from school, but not receiving a satisfying answer, embraces Miles again. A chilly gust turns the room dark, causing Miles to shriek. The governess exclaims that the candle has gone out when Miles says it was he who blew it out in the first place. Hmm. I don't know. So it's very creepy here. It is. Um, You know, it could be Miles... um, saying oh yeah i blew out the candle but really it could have been this like crazy gust of wind or he could have actually blown it out for whatever reason like all right the candle's out you have to leave now it's it's uh time for me to go to bed i don't know spooky effect yeah the next morning gross asks the governess about her progress on the letter the governess telling her it's been written but leaves out the fact that it has yet to be mailed Yep. The children do a great job at their daily tasks, and Miles asks the governess if she would like for him to play some piano for her. Delighted, she complies, only to notice that after some time of watching the boy play, Flora is nowhere to be seen. 
The governess asks Miles where she's gone to, but he laughs and he's like, how should I know? Yeah. It's Even good. though it was probably, I mean, we don't know for sure, but it's like he was intentionally distracting her to, you know, let Flora go out and get as far away as possible to freak the governess out for whatever reason. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Like, it's it's weird. Um, are they under the possession of some spirits, or are they just trying to drive the governess out of the house by creeping her out even more? They're doing a great job, if that's the plan. Yeah, yeah, because this is creepy. Like, he's he's just laughing his head off playing piano, and uh, the, the governess is like, well, that that's, that's not really funny. Like, where's your sister? Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah. Checking the entire house to no avail, the governess begins to think Flora is off the grounds with Jezel. The governess tells Gross she believes Miles to be in the schoolroom with Quint, ugh, with Quint, and that she's fallen for a trick the boys pulled on her hook, line, and sinker, that being <laughs> the piano playing. Gross asks the governess about the letter again, and the governess pulls it from her pocket and leaves it on the table for a servant to send out. Nervous, Gross is convinced by the governess to leave Miles B to go search for Flora. Um... Interesting to intentionally pull the letter out and leave it in the open, too. Uh, we're going to see where that leads there, but we're also kind of wondering if she, she was kind of asking for what happens. Yeah, if she really intends to send this letter for help. Because yep. we've mentioned the letter, basically this whole third part where, um, yeah, she's like, yeah, I'll write the letter. Doesn't get written. She finally writes it. Then she's like, oh, I'm going to wait to send it. But actually, I'm just going to leave it on the table for now. But even though I could run it out to the mailbox, like, right now. Um, could run it out to the mailbox, but I'm going to put it on the counter, and I sure hope nothing happens to it. Yeah. <sighs> the postal Maybe service. that's what she's thinking. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. She's just like, I just don't trust the postal service these days, you know? Like, Honestly, <laughs> is it going to make it in time? <laughs> yeah. The governess is under the impression that Flora will be found where... She'd, uh, where they'd actually both had their first encounter with Jezel, like we were talking about earlier, on the shore. Yeah. Back in part one. Arriving, neither find a trace of Flora. The governess notices the boat is missing out of its normal spot and deduces that the child's taken it across the water and the pair walk to the other side of the lake. Kind of interesting, too. It's a small body of water, but... Um, they can't see the boat on either side, so the governess thinks that Flora took it to the other side and intentionally moved it out of sight. Yep. On the other side, they find both the boat and Flora, who's just sitting there with a cute little smile on her face. Enough of the games, kiddos. You gotta, yeah, come on. What are we doing here? Yeah, this lady, she's just she just wanted an easy summer job, you know. Um, yeah. But you guys are... Just making it a hard time. They are. Gross approaches tenderly, but the governess looks at Flora with a grave expression on her face. Flora asks where Miles is, and the governess tells her, I'll tell you where he is when you tell me where Jezel is. Mm. The governess grabs Gross's arm and points to the opposite shore in triumph, pointing out Jezel, because she can just see her standing there looking over. The governess is surprised by Flora's reaction as she 
either actually doesn't see Jezel or she's pretending she doesn't see Jezel, right where the governess is pointing. And instead, stares at the governess with a uh, accusational glare. Gross asks the governess what she sees and shrinks to find she is the only one witnessing Jezel across the lake in the first place, which shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. Gross pleads that they return to the house, probably completely, utterly terrified. Yeah, this is a very important part of the book because for the whole thing, it's just kind of the governess um, kind of implying that the kids are seeing the ghosts, but this is the first time that she's accusing the kids in front of their faces like all right what's going on with you and this ghost and she's like grabbing flora she's like screaming at her she's like you know what i'll uh you gotta tell me what's up with this jezel lady like why is she telling you about um uh kissing boys that's just not right um but yeah like either way it if uh Flora is being uh, occupied by Miss Jezel. That's creepy, but like the governess just going insane and, and like terrifying these kids is uh, creepy as well. Right. Which actually, I still don't know where I land on this whole thing, but that's kind of the thing that I'm personally leaning towards is that the governess is probably just going a little wackety dackety. Yep. Flora exclaims that she's never seen Jezel, and the governess is convinced that the ghost is speaking through her, claiming the child to be quote-unquote lost, and sends Gross back to Bly. Taking some time to morosely reflect before returning to the house, the governess notices the boat back in its normal spot. When returning, she finds the children, same as they ever were, sitting in silence together like nothing happened. Yeah. Even though they've probably been talking about this... Right up until the governess walked into the room. You would not believe what just happened to me. Yeah, the kids are like, you know, um, the governess thought she's a little crazy at first, but yeah, she's she's definitely crazy. And then she's like stomping mm-hmm. up to stomping up the steps and she's like, I'm here, yep. kiddos. So if you're doing anything weird, reveal yourselves. And they're like, all right, all right. That gives us just about two minutes to prepare. Complete silence. <laughs> yeah. The governess is later awoken by Gross, who informs her that Flora is not only sick, but is also terrified of the governess, who has seen that coming, and also hasn't spoken a word of Jezel. The governess suggests for Gross to take Flora to her uncle, while the governess stays back at Bly with Miles, demanding the children stay separated until Flora's departure. Hmm, so they can't scheme. Yeah, right? Scheme with the ghosts. Gross, skeptical, complies, telling the governess that Flora has been saying shocking things about the governess, who in turn says she can surmise where Flora picked up the language she used. You think she's, like, talking about conscripting with the ghosts, and that's where she's learning whatever wicked thing she's saying, allegedly? I don't know, like... (laughs) <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I know where the language came from I'm not going to tell you but I know yeah I, I I think what's happening here is is like Flora she knows a couple bad words and um don't we all but uh, I'm still learning them um, oh good but yeah the, like she 
could just be calling the governess like some bad words like oh i hate the governess you know and hates a strong word but it is according to the governess she's probably like oh she's talking about like you know you know going to third base like this is this is interesting you know like she thinks Mm. that jezel's still infecting her mind with um uh things that you shouldn't learn until you graduate high school you know (laughs) (laughs) even later if you're lucky yeah you know um gosh you know i would say at least end of sophomore year of college (laughs) (laughs) so gross tells the governess she believes what she's been saying and the governess tells gross her letter will arrive before gross does with flora Gross tells the governess that the letter has not been sent as it had been taken by Miles, leading the governess to believe that Miles' reason for expulsion was due to him thieving while at the school. The governess confesses the letter contained nothing else but demands for a personal interview. Hmm. Once again, yeah, she is leaving any detail out of this thing. Yeah. Just saying, you better come here right now buddy i just want to imagine like the governess is like trying to frame this as good as possible like a good case as possible so she put like four miles on the envelope or something and then she's like oh how could he open it and then uh, yeah right yeah because she is she is kind of like changing her story um in a few parts of this to um make her case seem believable and terrifying enough for this uncle to come and save the day the governess focuses on her impending confrontation with miles and makes a show out of stomping around the house in a bossy manner as to show everyone who's steering the ship (laughs) she just can't get enough of stomping in this episode (laughs) it's like uh it's like a boss who thinks he's in control but really he's he's like the worst boss ever yep and nobody listens or respects him Yeah, Miles doesn't pay any of this any attention, by the way. Yeah. The governess learns that Miles and Flora had breakfast together the morning before Flora left, and the governess braces herself for the inevitable confrontation she's got coming up with the boy. (laughs) It's just like um, that episode of It's Always Sunny um, when Dennis and Matt go to the suburbs, and they're both living alone, and ah, could forget it. <laughs> Mac is making his famous mac and cheese, but you know why is it so famous? And they're both about to go <laughs> insane together in this house. Oh my god, <laughs> that's a good episode. Yeah, one of my favorites of the newer seasons. Hot one out there today. <laughs> <laughs> What's his neighbor's name again? Oh, I wish I could remember. It's been so long since I saw it. Oh uh, yeah, but that's a good one. While dining together, Miles inquires about Flora's illness, reassured that she'll be fit as a fiddle soon. Miles further prods, asking if Flora's aversion to Bly had all happened at once or if it's kind of been a slow trickle since day one. The governess assures him that Flora was not too ill to travel and Miles states that the two are alone when the waiter leaves. Just the two of us here now. Just the two of us. If there's anything that you wanted to ask me. Yeah. The governess says that they aren't entirely alone, and Miles agrees, referring to 
quote unquote the others. God damn Miles it. turns Miles turns to the window and expresses his happiness with Bly. Miles says that if they both stay at Bly, she'll be the lonelier of the two and she tells him that his company is the only reason she stayed on this long in the first place. So it is kind of getting weird at this point. Like, um... The governess is pretty hard to nail down. I mean, everything is, but she's like... You're supposed to... Well, of course, you're not supposed to always be able to completely rely on what the narrator is saying, and you're not supposed to completely be able to side with them and everything, but the governess is definitely one of the more interesting narrators we've covered up to this point. Yeah, for sure. And Miles at this point, like, you know, he's made it very clear that he doesn't um, really like Bly, but all of a sudden he's like, "Uh, I guess I had some good times here, and he he seems to be at peace. Um, And it's just kind of interesting, kind of weird. It is. After skirting around the elephant in the room for a while, the governess finally tries to get answers out of Miles, who tells her he will inform everything later, but he specifically talks about how he wants to go talk to someone that works in the house. Mm -hmm. Noticing Quint peering through the window, the governess jolts up and grabs Miles, noting his heart rate, you know, it's going a mile a minute, I guess, who tells her he had taken the letter. Miles confesses he'd read it to find out what it said about him, which once again was nothing, and burned it afterwards, prompting the governess to ask if his expulsion was caused by stealing letters at the school, which is kind of her her biggest theory right now up to this point. Yeah, it's just like she's interrogating him, and Miles, he's not looking too hot at this point. Um, She notices his heart is like pretty irregular, and she's like, just, she's just like, what did you do at the schoolhouse? What did you do at the schoolhouse? Like, and it's just Shaking like, him. why are you asking this? The boy is obviously terrified and you're not helping the situation at all. Miles asks if she'd known he wasn't allowed to return to the school and the governess tells him she knows about everything. Miles says the true reason for his expulsion was things that he'd said to the boys in his class. Whatever that was, but whatever it was, he told them and then they told other people, and that's the reason that Miles got the boot. Yeah, he, he was um, saying some stuff. That That's basically all we get. Yep. Miles shifts, and the governess embraces him once again. For the tenth time in this episode, she swallows him up with her arms and smooches all over his face or something. Yeah. Miles asks if, quote-unquote, he is there. The governess responding, saying the, quote-unquote, coward horror is. Basically saying that Peter Quint is uh, there. They're watching everything. Miles yeah. is confessing to knowing about Quint. Yeah, Maybe the only solid answer we get in the whole book. Mm-hmm. Miles peers in the same direction of the governess and names Peter Quint, crying out loud, quote-unquote, you devil, but not seeing him. The governess yells at the apparition and points him out, and Miles' heart abruptly stops. And that is the end 
of Henry James's The Turn of the Screw. I hope you weren't expecting any actual answers, because if you were, you're probably as disappointed as everyone else that read this book. Yeah, so that's... But not in a bad way. Yeah, I I don't know, because the whole time, as you guys might have... You guys probably could have picked up. I, I was more in the camp of the governess is um, seeing all these things. She's projecting them. And... Um, but it's this final scene with Miles. Even though Miles is um, kind of has a hint that, or kind of has a clue that she's like, yeah, she thinks that I still have this relationship with Peter Quint. So he could be playing along. But then at the very end, he dies with Peter Quint in the window. And it's just like, um, okay, so like that whole theory just kind of. Uh, it's not ruined, but it's just like Miles just fell over at this point after Peter Quint was at the window. So I I just don't know. Like, I thought I had it figured out. And then, yeah, this ending happens and it's more probable that the ghosts are actually there. But... Um, that this is the first time that he kind of admits that there's a ghost there, but it could have been, um, you know, the, just to appease the governess, but at the same time he dies. So I just, I have no idea. Like I said, maybe it's a good thing that we took a week off to digest this <laughs> thing, but, um, maybe you guys are as confused as I am, but, uh, Luke, how are you, how are you feeling over there? Um, if it isn't obvious, we whenever we cover one of these books, you're probably a lot better about finishing the book before we actually even get to talking about it. But I've been reading this book as I've been writing the outline. So on a week to week basis. So I knew as much as, you know, I knew as much as I had to know by the first episode and the second. And so the whole time we're going along with this thing, I don't have a single clue what's going on with anything i don't know where it's leading to and the one thing that we both knew for sure is that there was not going to be a entirely satisfactory ending but um once again that wasn't to be expected and i still think that it's a pretty pretty wild ride front to back either way you slice it yeah for sure um there's multiple ways we can interpret the ending but that's what our review discussions for, you know? Which uh, should be... I love those review, uh, review episodes just hanging out, kicking back a little bit, you know, just... Because um, writing these outlines up is... It, it's quite a bit of work, you know what I mean? Especially, like I said, part three here was without a doubt the hardest one I've had to write up to this point. But we got there. Yeah. And it was uh, more legible than I expected it to be. But... A lot of the times with the review episodes, like with Catcher in the Rye, that was one of the lighter ones, and we were kind of talking about um, the Matt Salinger Captain America movie. Uh, you know, it's always just kind of fun to get whatever thoughts we have out there without hindering the telling of the story, but this one feels like it'll be a very well-warranted episode to actually try to figure out what any of this means. Yeah, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Like, don't get me wrong. Um, I love open-ended, 
like stories. I love being, you know, not necessarily at the in the driver's seat as not spoon fed. Yeah, exactly. I I do love that. Um, and and I guess with modern modern horror and just modern everything, everything is so spoon fed. The information and everything needs to have, uh, you know plot points and everything gets wrapped up but like nothing is answered in this book and uh throughout the whole thing there's so many open-ended statements and you just don't get any closure but at the same time that's what i like about it um but like i said we'll just have to we'll talk about that next week um because yeah i'm already getting kind of angry trying to figure it out so oh um, yeah just how you should feel at the end of a good book yeah exactly so um yeah thank thank you guys uh for listening and uh is there anything else you want to add instagram is the bad apple book club if you wanted to follow us on there if you got one of those accounts um We'll be back next week with the review episode, and after that, we aren't entirely sure, but it sounds like we're going to be doing a shorter one-off episode on our main man, Edgar Allan Poe, just going over his life a little bit and discussing a few stories before getting into our next uh, next big in. Yep, exactly, and you'll just have to stay tuned for that, for that one. Um... But yeah, next week we are going to cover Edgar Allan Poe. Or I mean, after the discussion episode, but yep. um, yeah, we're going to go over a few other poems of his and his life and his contribution to horror. So, Oh, yeah. Yep. But This really has turned into like an impromptu horror podcast over the last like three months. Yeah. <laughs> Unexpectedly, but I am completely fine with that. Yep. But we're gonna we're gonna have to well we're not gonna have to but it's gonna be kind of funny when we're covering like another children's book like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory one day or something like that after covering all this kind of stuff. Yep. But you know yep. what? We'll figure it out when we get to it. Yep. So, um, yeah. Th- thanks again for listening and understanding that we are human and uh, you know we missed last week's episode, but. Oh, yeah. And hey, it's like I said, that's only the second episode we've actually missed up to this point. But it's like I said last time, if you were disappointed, that just means that we're doing a good job. Yeah. Yep. I, almost at a year, which is crazy. So That is crazy. So, but yeah, it's, have, have a good week, guys. Um, uh, spooky week. See you next time.
And then if you have trouble with that podcast, you call me. Of course. You know. Oh, yeah. I can always do nothing with it. <laughs>